this morning is really our final stop uh, in our sermon series over the book of Malachi. We have been spending several weeks. Uh, this is actually our fourth week that we have just been really been diving in uh, to the book of Malachi. Malachi is the last book uh, of the Old Testament. Maybe you don't know where that is. So uh, go ahead and take your Bible and turn with me there. If you don't have a Bible this morning, there should be one around you, a black hardback Bible. Uh, take that, open it up to the last book of the Old Testament. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we'll take that one, put your name in it, and take it home with you. That's our gift uh, to you this morning. Um, but we have seen over these last several weeks a nation, the nation of Israel, with the fruits of their disobedience, all right? Now, how many of you maybe have disobeyed this week? Anybody at all this, this morning? A few of you are like, you know, adults don't disobey, all right? We do not, do, that's only a kid's job, all right? But there are times in our lives where we know the right thing to do, and we make the decision not to do it, all right? I've been there, I've been there this week, and I know that many of you are probably right there with me, and the nation of Israel is right there. In these last few weeks, the book of Malachi is an awesome book, Because during this time, God raises up uh, godly men, godly women to be the voice uh, for Him to speak on behalf of the people. And during this time, obviously the book is Malachi. So so God raises up the prophet Malachi to speak to His people. And and this, if you read it all the way through, it's it's kind of tough to read. It's kind of like a parent maybe even disciplining their child because they've been making poor decisions over and over again and they got to the point where they start defending their bad decisions. Now, I know none of you have ever done that before. You've never defended your bad decision. You've never got to the point where you have stopped allowing God, stopped allowing people into your life to speak truth into your lives. I know we've, none of us have ever been there before, but the people of Israel, they were there. And they were going through the motions in their walk with God. And with all jokes aside, seriously, that's difficult for many of us because we find ourselves many times doing just that. We feel like we're just kind of wandering in the desert. We feel like God has maybe forsaken us. We feel like we haven't heard from God in a long time. And and we're just going through the motions. And God speaks very boldly to His people through Malachi and says, You know what, guys? Your hearts are not there. Your hearts are not there. And and the first week we talked about how Malachi says, you know what? You're just going through the motions. And it's easy for you and I to get to that point. And he goes on in week two, we talked about how, how the people of Israel have stopped honoring their commitments. And many times in our lives, we stop even having commitments because if we have commitments... That means we've got to honor them, but if we don't have any commitments, you know, like, I'm free of that. Anybody been there before? Like, I'm not going to commit to anything. Because we all know those people who are like, yeah, I'm on that, or I will do this. I want to be faithful in this situation. And then what happens? They, you know, a couple of weeks rolls by, and all of a sudden they feel... We've, we've all been there. We've all been that person. And we've all been affected by those people as well. And then two weeks ago... Malachi spoke to the people and God had some harsh words for them. He says, you're robbing me. You're robbing me. And as I thought about that, as I wrestled through that even for myself, that was like, oh, I don't know about this. But God's saying, you're robbing me of what was already mine. 
And that's where we gave our, our 90-day tithe challenge. And we said, well, I understand that, that money is, a, is, is something that is so touchy and so uh, something that we never even talk about because it's like, you know, I believe God for eternal life. I believe God that He's going to protect me and provide for me. But you know what? When you start talking about money, that's off limits. This is mine and mine alone, and I will do with it what I want. And the people of Israel had got to that point, and they got to the point in such a way that they were doing whatever they wanted to, and they were justifying their actions. And so God, in this last chapter, we're going to be at the end of chapter 3. Go ahead and turn with me to uh, Malachi chapter 3. We're going to be starting in verse uh, 13. Uh, together, but before we do, I just want to pray over our time this morning. If you would just pray with me, God, we, um, God, we come before you. Lord, humble us right now, God. Father, I pray that you would humble me. Lord, please give me the words to say through your word that would edify each and every one of us this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that you would allow us, Father, to have open ears and have open hearts, God, and that you would do what you want to do uh, this morning. So, Father, please come. Please come and speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Malachi gives us four things in his word uh, this morning. And at the end of chapter 3, the, I say the beginning of 4, 4 is pretty short. It's, it's kind of like when you have that conversation, maybe you have that hard conversation, maybe with somebody at work, maybe you're a boss, and you have that, that fun, awkward conversation of saying, hey, you know what, maybe you need to change some things, or maybe you need to call somebody out, or, or whatever it is. Some of you are like, man, I love doing that, you know, but I'm not that person. You know, it becomes awkward for me, but many times you've got to make those decisions, and because God many times uses me, uses you to speak truth into someone's life. And I've always said I never want to be someone who knows it all. And I feel like the people of Israel had got to the point where they knew it all and they have forsaken allowing people, allowing God to speak into their lives. I think it's so important for you and I as Christ followers to be so humble before the Lord because there's things in my life and I can probably bet maybe there's some things in your life that aren't honoring God. And when God, when we allow God, the Holy Spirit, to, to convict us and challenge in that said area, that we would just not hear it and let it go out the other ear, that we would, we would pray over those things and say, God, I pray that you would break my heart in this situation. God, give me strength. Give me boldness that I would follow after you. But the people of Israel started complaining. They started kind of whining. They started getting to the point where they didn't want to hear what Malachi or what God had to say in their lives, and they, and they got to the point where it was becoming very dangerous for them. So Malachi says, you know what? I am going to share what God has laid on my heart, but at the end of the day, this is your choice. This is your decision. This is our decision. A decision we have every day to do what we want to with our Life. So the first thing that Malachi lays out before the people, he gives them this challenge, and the question for all of us this morning is, is will we, 
Will you, will I, render service to others or to God? He asked the question like, where is your allegiance? Anybody people pleasers in here? Anybody ever made a decision because you were more concerned about what he or she or whatever might think and it literally hindered and you knew, you knew that God was calling you to make this decision. You knew that God was directing you down this path, but because of what maybe others said and sometimes it's, let's be honest, sometimes it's those closest to you. That that decision swayed you in such a way that you walked in disobedience because your desire was to honor those around you rather than honor God. In verse 13, let's read that together. It says, You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out His requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper. And even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. You see, what's happening here in this situation is the the people of Israel have found themselves in a Very serious situation, and they didn't even know it. Anybody been there? How did I get to where I am right now? Here, let me ask you a question. If you knew that the decisions that you would make today would completely affect your life tomorrow, would you care? What if you knew beforehand the decision you're going to make? What if you knew how it was going to play out, all right? There's times in my life where I am so thankful God did not answer my prayers. Kind of like the old country song, you know, thank God for... Un- I mean, seriously, I can, I can think back so many times in my life, and I was pleading before God. God, she's so beautiful. You know, I'm 13 and I want to marry this woman. I mean, we're jokingly, but we've been there before. Like our heart is in it and we have, I mean, we will go to the ends of the earth and we will find ourselves in situations and hindsight, I got to be honest, God, thank you for protecting me. Thank you for not giving me what I wanted. And so God, His, His challenge to His people at this time is, I just want you to see what, what's, what's expected of you, but I also want you to see if you continue down this road, what's ahead. It's like those of us, if we ever drive up into the mountains, I know we have some beautiful mountains around here. Um, they have these things called guardrails. You know what I'm talking about? Now, guardrails are... You, ne- you never think that they're there. I mean, you never like, oh, those are such beautiful guardrails. No, you're, you're attracted to the beauty around you. I mean, you never are thankful for guardrails until you hit one. And then you say, I am so thankful that you were here, and I didn't get what was over the edge. You see, it's the same way with God, that God gives us boundaries He gives us these things in our lives, and many times we don't think about it until we bang up against it. And then we are thankful 
But many times we say, God, would you just take this guardrail away? Like, I'm going to make my choices. I want to do what I want to do. And then many times he says, if that's how you want to make to the decision, it is your free choice to do. But God gives us those boundaries in our lives to keep us from going over the edge because He knows His love for us. He knows that if we continue down that path, it's going to be devastating to our lives and everyone around us. So God asked the question to His people. Malachi asked the people, where does your allegiance lie? The people of Israel had become self-righteous. They had become too proud to allow people to speak into their lives. I just want to send this encouragement to you this morning. This is something that I pray for every single day. It really is. That we would be people who are humble enough to receive instruction, correction, and even discipline. When God is trying to speak to us, and maybe this morning this is something that you, maybe you struggle with. This comes from a heart full of pride, and pride will always be an Achilles heel in your life if you let it. You see, what the root of the problem here was the Israelites became very prideful. And that pride, as we know, we've heard it time and time again, those who have grown up in church, pride comes before the fall. Pride can destroy us. May we be people of God that can sense when pride starts to seep into our lives and that we can receive instructions in our lives and say, God, you're right. There, there's something there that's starting to grow. It's, it's starting to be a dissension in this relationship. It's starting to be where you're starting to be very controlling the situation to the point where I know it all and you don't know anything type of mentality. Rather than being a person that, God, I pray that you would humble me, God. I pray, Lord, that the decisions that I make, I pray the way that I treat people, I pray the way that I lead people will be humbly before you and that you would be glorified. You see, the people got to the point where they said serving God was drudgery. It was useless. Worshiping, tithing, and serving had no purpose. It was all empty. It was vain, and it was futile. I've got to be honest. I've been there before. I've been there before where there, where there is no joy in, in serving. It becomes duty. And what happens is, is I want to be called a servant of Christ Jesus. And, and we love that title, but, but do you understand what we're calling ourselves? Servants don't have any rights. So when people start treating us like servants, you know where I'm going with this. When they start treating us, treating us like servants, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, who are you? How dare you? And our expectations is, is we want to be this kind of person, but when it plays out into our lives, no. All through Scripture, I love how Jesus calls His disciples, those who serve me, servants of mine. God's Word says that we are bought with our price. We are not our own. 
Malachi raised the bar in verse 18. Let's look at that together. As it pertains to service, he says, And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Here's what Malachi is saying is, is, is your service to God will set you apart from those around you. I think there's a scripture somewhere in the New Testament says that you and I who are in Christ Jesus should be set apart from the world. Actually, there is, okay? There, there is. So he says, people of Israel, one church, are you being set apart from those who are not in Christ Jesus? Are we surrendering our lives every single day? Are we serving or is our serving becoming such a chore in our lives that we become self-righteous and pride starts seeping in and then all of a sudden it becomes duty and serving God. We start going through the motions. It's like we understand it, but we continue to go down that road. Anybody? We do. But God says there's hope. There's hope. We must make the decision. Will we render service to others or to God? Where does our allegiance lie? The second thing. Will we be the faithful remnant? I use that word remnant because remnant is a small remaining quantity of something. Because while this was going on, there were a small remnant of people who God's Word says that they feared the Lord and their desire was to honor them with their lives. But their voice became so small because there were such a few of them. Wouldn't you love being a few of them? Isn't that difficult sometimes? I've heard stories from many of you, you feel like you're just all alone, maybe in the workplace. Maybe you're, maybe you're in the old field, you're out on location, you feel all alone because you feel like you're the only one who wants to honor God with your lives. Or whatever the situation might be. Will you, will I be the faithful remnant? Let's look at verse 16. It says, Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. That's the remnant. And the Lord listened and He heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in His presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored His name. Verse 17, On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. This, he uses the word fear here. Those who fear the Lord, all right? I'm, I'm fearful of a lot of things. I'm, I've told this. I'm fearful, scared to death of snakes, all right? I'm not even going to go down that road. Like, terribly bad. So please don't play any jokes on me. I'm serious. Some of you are like, uh-huh. Now, the fear that the Scripture is talking about, it's talking about... A heartfelt worship of God for who and what He is. It's, it's, it's seeing God as, as, as so worthy before us. And I don't think much of snakes, all right? I'm, I don't think, I'm not, they're not worthy of anything, all right? Maybe a backhoe or something of that sort, all right? That's not the kind of fear that God is talking about here. 
He's talking about a reverence. He's talking about that you are holy. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords and that you are in control of all things. And I understand that you created me. And if I am a child of God, I am your servant. And my desire is to honor you with everything of my life, with my money, with my relationships, with my job, with my house, with my car, with everything. It's understanding God's place, but also our place. What happens many times is when we reverse that, that's when life gets out of control. That's where the people of Israel during this time in the book of Malachi had found themselves. They had traded their first love for their own desires because they got to the point where they started going through the motions. And God says, your heart, this is a heart issue here. You have allowed other things to fill your heart. And whenever things fill your heart, I can promise you, you are a changed person. Whenever my relationship with the Lord is struggling a little bit, it completely affects the way that I speak. It completely affects the way that I think, the way that I react, even to my wife and to my kids and to others. God says, remain Remain. Singler Ferguson wrote about fearing the Lord, a consciousness of being in the presence of true greatness and majesty, a thrilling sense of privilege, an overflow of respect and admiration, and perhaps supremely a sense that his opinion about my life is the only thing that really matters. A.W. Tozer said that to know God is to fear Him and to be stunned by the splendor of His majesty. God exists not just to meet our needs. If anything, we exist to meet His demands. Again, He is the master. We are the servants. He has rights. We have responsibilities. He is to be worshipped. We are the worshipers. God is not just the big guy in the sky or the man upstairs. He's the Lord of hosts, the Most High God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Almighty. He is holy, holy holy. And he says the only proper response he deserves is one of great reverence and respect. Let me just ask you a question. Maybe you're not there yet. What's your view of God? What is your view of God this morning? I had some moments this week. I just want to be real with you sitting in this office on Friday and just bawling my eyes out and just just yelling at God. God, I don't understand this. I feel like I am trying to listen to you, but I don't hear you. Anybody been there? It's like, God, we've got deadlines, we've got decisions, and I feel like I'm a sitting duck. I think I actually said those words. Of course, as God, as He always does, allows me to see who I am in His presence. Lets me to know how much He does love me. But He also lets me know that this is, Brandon, you're taking away too much responsibility. You've gotten your wires crossed somehow, some way. You've listened to the crowd. This is not about you. I am leading. 
I am the one doing this work. Why don't you just be quiet and just walk in obedience and faithfulness and let me worry about what takes place? i got to be honest, I did not want to swallow that pill. But I needed that in my life because I'm, I, I, was, I, was, I was pretty upset. I really was. And maybe this week you have been right there. I love this because here's a few things we get out of verse 16 and 17. The benefits of honoring God with our lives. The benefits of being that remnant. Big or small that will be faithful to the things of God in our lives. And the first thing is, is God, listen, this is huge. God listens to us. Look at verse 16. The Lord, He listened and he heard. I think of those who are parents, and you have small children. It's like you know you can't really understand what they're saying, so you so you kind of get down on their level a little bit. You kind of you know what I'm talking about. They they kind of teach coaches to do that, and you're like, I I, I I image that's the image of God that I see when we're speaking to Him. It's like He wants to get down. He wants to hear our hearts. He wants to hear our cries. He wants to heal our our yelling in a sense. Why? Because He truly, deeply loves us. But He also knows what's best for us. So the question is, is that all of us have to face is, what's our perspective of God? Is He in control of our life or is He not? God listens to us. He also remembers us. Look at verse 16. Let's keep going. A scroll of remembrance was written in His presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored His name. Verse 17, I love this as well. God claims us. Maybe this morning you needed to hear that. God claims you, those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. God claims you. He says, I want you. Maybe nobody else around you. I want you. I have staked my claim on you. Now in verse 17, he says, They will be mine. They will be mine. It's an emphatic, they will be mine. Mine. This is kind of the time you do want a selfish response from God. You know, kids are good at that. Mine, 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 mine. We have to teach them. No, 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 no. You want God to say, no, he's mine. She's mine. That's exactly what he's saying here. Verse 17 goes on and says, God treasures us, that we are his treasured possession. Wow. And then he says, I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. You see, you and I, we deserve justice. We understand justice. We have a justice system for the most part. But God grants His people mercy. Even when we find ourselves living lives like those in the days of Malachi, even when we find ourselves going through the motions, even when we find ourselves when we have lost our first love, even when we find ourselves 
getting to the point of, God, I don't want to hear you. You know I'm right. I love this because God says in His Word that I will never leave you nor forsake you. He doesn't say in this Scripture here, if that's what you want, go and do. He goes, no, I'm pleading with you. Just as a good parent would plead with a child who's on the point of making a bad decision, I plead with you. But at the end of the day, it is my decision, and it is your decision how we respond to that in our lives. You see, we are forced to make a decision because the day is coming when the distinction between the faithful and the unfaithful will once again be obvious. The third point. Will we be ready for judgment? Man, we don't like that. Verse 1 of chapter 4. Let's read that together real quickly. We're almost done. It says, Surely the day is coming. Sometimes we like to fill in not, or maybe, or it might. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble, and the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them, but he's speaking to the remnant. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, and, and you will go out and frolic. I love that word frolic. We don't use that very often, all right? Frolic like well-fed calves, whatever that looks like, all right? Then you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. That is not a very picture, very good picture there. Let's be honest. And many times we want, we want to think that, you know what, my choices, the way that I live my life, my decisions, it's not really going to matter. And we find ourselves living that way and we're desperate and we're hopeless, but God's Word is very clear that the choices that we choose here on this earth will impact eternity. And God's like, let let me make this clear, like it is going to happen that everyone will stand before God on the day of judgment. And we like to say this phrase to little kids, why should I allow you into the kingdom of God? What's our response going to be? Because this is really the reality of life here, because God's word says that our lives is, is like, a, like, a, like a mist. It's here today and gone tomorrow. And God says, My desire is that you would allow me to use your life to build my kingdom and impact those around us. Now, that's a legacy there. God's Word says, what good is it to gain the whole world but lose our soul? So so Malachi is saying here, listen Israelites, listen here. I'm pleading with you. The choices that you are making today can impact and will impact eternity. I believe it's the same message that Jesus speaks to His people today. 
2017. And then he comes back and says, it's your choice. It's our decision. The fourth and final thing that Malachi says, it's in verse 4. He says, we're forced to make a decision. He says, will we remember God's law? Will we, will we remember God's commandments? Verse 4 says, remember the law of my, my servant Moses. There's that word servant. The decrees and laws I gave him at the Horab of, for all of Israel. Now I know I've heard many responses and I've, I understand. You're thinking, well, that's Old Testament. That's, you know, that's... That was, that was then, this is now, now we live in grace, now we can kind of come and do and go. And Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 says, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commandments will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to ask Jared to come back up. A TV news camera was on assignment in South Florida years ago, and they were filming the, the widespread destruction of Hurricane Andrew. And one scene uh, amid the devastation and debris stood one house on its foundation. Sir, why is your house the only one in the entire neighborhood that is standing? How did you manage to escape the severe damage of the hurricane? He goes, I built this house myself, the man replied. I also built it according to the Florida State Building Code. When the code called for two-by-six roof trusses, I used two-by-six roof trusses. I was told that a house built according to code could withstand a hurricane. I did, and it did. I suppose no one else around here followed code. See, I love this story because in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells a story about a man who built his house on a rock. Many of us know that story. Stories, there's, there's this one faithful remnant who he built his house, he built his life, it's a parable, on the truth on the foundation of God Himself. He understood His purpose. He understood His place. He understood the impact that His life would have those around Him. He understood that storms will come into our lives. He completely understood that. The story goes on and it says that that man heeded. He listened. It allowed him to change his actions and he'll be obedient, listen to this, and prepare for the storm. And so he built his house on the foundation of the rock. He built his house. He built his life on God, the creator of all things. 
And when the attacks came and when the storms came and when the wind came and it beat that house, that house withstood the storm. It goes on to say there's also another man. He was also warned that a storm was coming. It says he did not heed the warning. He says this man continued to do what he thought was was best. And he built his house. He built his life on the sand. As we all know, sand is not much of a foundation when the storm comes. You know this story, most of you. When the storm came, that life, that house was destroyed. So you ask the question, why did the one man not heed the warning? And we ask the same things in our lives. God has given us the way. He has given us the life. He is the truth. He is the one that gives us purpose. He is the one that gives us joy. So my question, our question should be, why are we not listening and heeding the word of God in our lives? And the question comes all through Malachi. We have substituted our first love. Our view of God has shrunk. Our faith has shrunk. And for some of us, we have built our house. For most of us, we have built our lives on the Word of God. And that storm is hitting us, and we are fearful. We're not fearful of God. We're fearful of the storm. Just as Peter was walking on water, and Jesus says, Come, experience me like you never have before. The storms come. The storms were always there. His focus, his heart was in the wrong spot. So maybe this morning... Maybe God is saying, you know what? Brandon, I want you to return to me. Return to me, says the Lord. 